welcome one and all across the Alpha Quadrant and beyond to Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hailing frequencies are open. I got a big old body. Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 206, The Spy Humongous, comes to you now via Crimson Force Field. And news from the fleet before this episode leaves orbit. Pete, I know that when those Emmy nominations came out, we had a little bit of a finger wag for the effort made by CBS All Access slash Paramount Plus, uh, you know, awards people, PR, whatever. Uh, But in the last week, Star Trek Discovery has indeed won an Emmy that uh, in the category of outstanding special visual effects in a single episode. Uh, that's for the episode Sukal, and uh, there you go. You know, though though the series was not nominated for visual effects for the season, uh, and I'm not quite sure what's up with that. You can't argue with the fact that the visual effects for this season, or at least an episode from it, uh, have uh, won an Emmy. And congratulations to them. Overdue, I think. You know, since Star Trek has been uh, back in this latest incarnation on TV, um, they've definitely blaze the trail so uh yeah that's great news and pete speaking of technology i understand that everything is great with paramount plus as a website and an app thank you for asking how are you um i don't know talk to uh lower decks showrunner mike mcmahon um yeah pete i saw a thursday morning um late morning um our time earlier morning los angeles time Uh, He was trying to explain to people how to find the episode. Take us deeper into this, Pete. Yeah. So uh, he tweets before an episode comes out. Hey, it'll it'll be up tonight. You can check it out. And then must have been deluged with people saying, I can't find it. Where is it? To the point where he's got to explain to people for the streaming service that you know, his show runs on that they need to, uh, you know, do a special thing in order to see it, which is just laughable. Yeah. Like the when, when will they, uh, this is the only app that does this. Let me just point out. I mean, YouTube is how old at this point as a website and so on and so forth. It's gotta be close to 15 years. I mean, it's not that much, but it certainly is more than 10. This is the only one where like, you can't find an episode of a series on the series page for it. And he was explaining, oh, well, if you go to the last episode, then fast forward to the end, it'll recommend the next yes. episode. Like, it'll autoplay it. So so the the way to watch my show is to watch the previous episode and kick it into autoplay, not to go to like the the page where they're all capped and to see it as a choice. I mean, this is shades of waiting for short tracks um which would show up at like nine o'clock at night before they finally you know what was it two seasons in went to a this drops at midnight pacific um and you know matt and i are refreshing refreshing and the writers of the episode are like where's our episode they're tweeting about this and they don't understand the poor reflection. And I'll even cut, I'll cut 
you know, Paramount Plus slash CBS All Access. I'll cut them a little slack for when that happened several years ago. It was a newer service. It is a, it was a weird time. I mean, they figured out as a service, it was weird to be dropping stuff at, in the evening and, you know, fine. There were some growing pains there. How is this happening here? How is this just not auto post, auto post to all spots or whatever? But I, I just don't get it. And, you know, I feel terrible for the creators involved to have to deal with this. It must be maddening. Well, from the PacLeds running Paramount Plus, uh, let's head to the PacLeds that show up in this week's Ready Rundown. Program complete. Enter when ready. Captain Freeman Cerritos is seeking a ceasefire to PacLed Planet Talking Peace. A ceasefire would be quite a feather in the cap for Carol, though it shouldn't be too complicated. She and Shax beam down and they welcome Captain Janeway. She's greeted by a man whose helmet isn't big enough to talk peace, and, oh wait, Rumdar has escaped and is now on the Cerritos. Captain Janeway must stay. Rumdar's escaping to see, uh, Shields and Crimson Force Field. He is a spy, a very, very dumb spy who's taking pictures of his foot. He's taken to the secret gift shop, and the plan is for Ransom and Kayshawn to get info from Rumdar. But now Rumdar is gone and off the ship. Intercut is Freeman talking to the pack-led queen. They want to talk to Rumdar, but he's uh, gone. Freeman wants to get peace and finally meets King Packled and Emperor of the Packleds. It's a revolution. New Packled leader. Elsewhere, our lower deckers are wrapping up breakfast and they're being sent on anomaly consolation duty. It's either the collection of interesting things or science trashed collection day. Boims takes a stumble, and Ensign Casey has a cool kids' club crew called the Red Shirts. They're invincible. How about joining this new bunch of friends and future leaders? Brad's in, but they're sticking with Trash Day. That is, Tendi, Rutherford, and Mariner, who find uncollected crystals and bones from the planet where things evolved all weird. Rutherford breathes the dust from it in, and he's got a big old body in one of the most chuckle-worthy moments. Montage of the ouchy plant, the shocky plant, the goo blaster, and nanobots. Tendi's trying to make everything a pristine adventure, so stop it! Tendi, however, is tired of everyone whining, and she's left to collect stuff on her own. Tendi's eaten by a shrieking giant slug, then pooped out. Maybe ACD is the worst. She holds a glowy box and rages as glowy energy emerges, turning her into a mantis creature scorpion thing. Meanwhile, with the red shirts, Boimler is told to improve his posture. Stand up straight, not like a Kazinti from TAS. He's got to fix his uniform, too. After all, Riker had extra room in his pants, you know, for the legs. And Brad's got to fix his hair. And shoulder pads would be good, too. Brad is encouraged to give a rousing speech, so go inspire that crew. His first attempt isn't great, but for take two, speak as Riker would speak. Boimler says, in this, our darkest hour, the crew can be trusted, and they'll get out of this due to the crew, and now it's time to kick some butt. Now Brad needs respectable friends at his side. Look, there's the ACD crew doing dirty work. Are you on a starship or a friendship? The red shirts see Scorpion Tendy raging, and they give overlapping, inspiring speeches. They're all talk and no action. 
Boimler jumps into action, ready to counteract the mood shifter with food-based disaster comedy. The power of slapstick works, and the core four is back together. Meanwhile, where's Rumdar? Ransom and Kayshawn see he's in space? Rumdar was in the bathroom, which actually was an airlock. Oops. Codes now, please. Rumdar is beamed back down, and the packleds never wanted peace. Rumdar was a spy, and he found out that the Enterprise has big bathrooms. He's a good spy, and Freeman just wishes she knew what secrets he kept. And He says he'll never talk about smuggling a Veruvian bomb onto Earth. Beating Captain Janeway! Hooray! Ultimately, Boimler has been kicked out of the red shirts, but he thinks that they're shameful trying to copy others. Be yourself! All but Ensign Casey are ready to step away, but Casey's headed to acting Captain Duty later today. On the bridge, the command crew is going for drinks, and Casey gets the big chair. For three seconds, until shift change. Go clean the airlock, or the packlet went, you know. Shift over, the lower deckers prank call Armis. Legacy shout-out to the big bag of crap. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Pete, we have an incoming tactical analysis of this week's threats. Let's start with that most terrible of threats, the Packleds. I mean, planet Packlet, or was it Packlet Planet? It's interchangeable as far as I'm concerned. The thing that struck me this week is we finally had a full-on Packlet episode here, six into the second season where they've become a quote unquote threat is that the writing room must have been okay. So the next generation had the Borg and deep space nine had the dominion. Who's our big threat. We're a comedy. We're taking the pack lids and it just works. It does particularly since we've seen demonstrated uh, in this show, how, Starfleet sometimes can take their eye off the ball, and um, in that environment, the Packlet threat has risen. I think to be to be non-comedic for or to have a non-comedic view of the show for a second, I think it still is an open question. Uh, particularly with four episodes after this one, um, it's an open question: Are the Packlets being? Are they having weapons supplied by someone else? Is someone pulling the puppet strings? That sort of thing. Um, and, you know, they're not the biggest threat ever. This is not the Dominion coming on through, but the it's what? enough. <laughs> the Dominion, Pete. The what? <laughs> um, but the Packlets are enough of a threat to keep the Titan busy and, and things of that sort. One imagines kind of at the at the outer edges of Federation space. Yeah. And, you know, just the, the meme there of, of the Dominion when I said it before, uh, you know, but the idea that um, of all the things they could choose, that, that they chose them, you get a, a glimpse in their society in this episode uh, with a queen, a king, an emperor, a rebellion. <laughs> and everyone's all on the same page with this spy situation. They all know about it and then they reveal it. Um, and then they tip their hand at their master plan. Um, yeah, all courtesy of Rumdar, who, I don't know, in line with the comedy of the episode, in line with the expectations of the Packleds, uh, shows up as the world's worst spy. Uh, and I, I think 
there might have been an argument oh it will be funnier if it takes um if it takes the Cerritos crew time to figure it out, if Ransom and Kayshawn aren't putting the pieces together and maybe there's a lower decker saying, look, it's a spy thing. No, I kind of like the fact that Ransom and Kayshawn figure it out almost immediately. But not the location of the uh, spy who's defecated in an airlock and gone out into the uh, vacuum of space. Rumdar is strong. <laughs> Uh, we also have uh, Ensign Casey and his perspective and those of the, I guess, red shirts who've never studied history and don't know that that's not a great name uh, in Starfleet quarters, but uh, certainly they represent a different kind of threat. In an episode in which there were a lot of great moments, the lunacy of Tendi turned into a scorpion and then the red shirts stepping up each of them to give overlapping motivational speeches was peak hilarity. Yeah. And I think, you know, while what's the saying dress for the job you want, not the job you have that mindset has some credence, but sometimes you also have to do the job you have to get the job you want. Um, so there's a little bit of a star Trek lesson there, you know, know your role, check yourself and so forth. And um, I think it's to the story's credit that, Boimler is able to give an inspirational speech to the red shirts, albeit a, you know, kind of a, a plain spoken from the heart, very Boimler-esque uh, speech. I refer not to the one on the faux bridge, but when they're in the hallway that gets three of the four red shirts to say, yeah, maybe I will do my job in order to advance at my job. Um, and Casey end up, you know, ending up being the, uh, the, the winner of the prize he wanted, but then gets the prize he didn't. And, of course, next on the list, Pete, is all those bits of anomalous trash. I was kind of surprised they didn't throw us more Easter eggs here. Um, you got to wonder if that's an active discussion in terms of both the writing room and the design team. Like, all right, hey, put this put this item here and put this item there. But, you know, the the trope of hey, they bring back stuff that then needs to be disposed of works well within the idea of Star Trek because it seems to be a common idea that they, you know, cart this stuff around. And if it's not, you know, captain's uh, office, ready room, uh, you know, tchotchkes, then it obviously needs to be disposed of. And I think, too, the 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 list of things that they that that they go for um the shocky box the ouchy plant the goo blaster and so forth um most of them are very well oriented towards animation like you might in a live action writer's room you might have the discussion all right is it worth the time money and energy to shoot the ouchy plant into an actor's face you know is it cg is it practical is is it a cg explosion and then we have to go back and do makeup and put quills in there like is it worth it versus it's the same drawing to draw the ouchy plant than it is to draw anything else so this is this does not need to be the place to do easter eggs and callbacks this is where you can go crazy with the big giant shrieking slug and lean into the fun of that and the craziness of that um, particularly since you've already had two episodes that are pause worthy and you go, look, that's the, 
that's the cloth from Encounter Farpoint. That's the phaser from, uh, you know, from the cage and so forth. So I think it's, I don't know. I think the trash was well presented here, uh, as indeed was Scorpion Tendi. Great design and also uh, a moment underpinned by kind of, you know, real character emotions. Yeah, it was fun to watch the morphing and then the the way that they work her out of that is Boimler making a fool of himself. So knowing what he can do to bring this back and they hinted at it enough earlier in the episode with him spilling the food on his head and her cracking up. All right, Pete, let's scan for some theories here. And here's one maybe not particularly tied to this episode, but just something that's been bouncing around my head in the last week. Do we ever have an opportunity for these voice actors to portray these characters in live action? Oh, I think at some point it's going to happen. It's already been a discussion, you know, whether or not they put them you know, in a Picard season two, you know, they, they walk by at headquarters or something like that. But I, I think it it's too great an opportunity to pass up. Now, with us officially starting the second half of the season with this episode, you know, the pack led threat, such as it is, the pack led storyline, maybe it's a better way to put it, is now being revisited is that something that you think gets wrapped up this season? Is that just kind of the mash Korean war in the background for as long as it needs to be? What are your thoughts there? Particularly with the knowledge, with the secure knowledge that at this point in the season, certainly by the time they're doing final, the final, you know, animation and whatnot, they know there's a third season. The three through lines of this season, Boimler returning to the Cerritos with a clone on the Titan and continued mention of the Titan, you know, the red shirts fixation with that. Uh, Freeman's aspiration to, uh, you know, achievement. Okay. And then the pack lid threat, I think are all going to cross at the end of the season. And I think we heard it in this episode, this plan to smuggle a Veruvian bomb to earth. So I think that brings Titan into the situation it's a way for Freeman to potentially get promoted and to get, uh, what's the other uh, Boimler name? Billy. Billy Boimler uh, back on the scene. I, I think, too, if I marry your response with um, with what I mentioned before, that you know it's possible that the packloads are being... Um, being puppeted by someone else, maybe that's your, that's your reveal at the end of the season... Um, which is a way to both kind of keep the pack led storyline going over on, but now it's, uh, you know, now it's phase two. The mind goes to the Romulans, the perpetual bad guys. Um, but whomever it might be, I don't know, maybe, maybe they go a comedic route and it's, I mean, I know we obviously had the Armist shout out here, but maybe it's like, you know, it was outrageous Okana all along that was behind the pack leds or something <laughs> like that. Something to kind of undercut, to undercut the threat a bit. I think if you give it a, a serious um, route that it could be interesting, you know, um, what we learn about the Packlid 
in this episode. We saw our first female pack lid ever in the queen. Um, and whether or not it's just throw away or now, you know, it's an idea that they have several different leaders and then were overthrown and that there was a revolution. Um, and that guy became the emperor, I guess. Um, I mean, maybe Rumdar now is the leader returning as the conquering hero. And, and maybe he's the one, I mean, maybe the Veruvian bomb thing is like a, um, a kamikaze situation, but he doesn't understand that it's a suicide mission <laughs> or something along those lines. Like I, I, I think could be a lot of fun when you play up the desperate nature of it. Rumdar for Pakled biggest helmet, make <laughs> Pakled planet go. Yes. What, yes. Uh, what other theories do you have? Um, the Kazinti speaks here. Okay. And then the posture joke that happens uh, as a result of it. So hunching over there, you know, these are how, how the Kazinti really look. And then, you know, he brings his posture up. Yeah. And obvious uh, callback to um, the name of the episode was the slaver weapon, right? Yes. yes. To the slaver weapon episode of uh, Star Trek, the animated series. Maybe, maybe they're behind the pack lids, Matt. Wouldn't that be awesome? And that this red shirt crewman, you know, this is, this is part of it. And it's, it's over. Uh, you know, they're going to trade some witter shuns. <laughs> I think, do I remember correctly that, um, had enterprise gone to a fifth season? I know Shran was going to join the cast full time, but that the Kazinti were going to return. Um, I don't know. That would be fun. Re regardless. It, I guess what I'm trying to say is a resurgence of the Kazinti is something that's kind of been, I don't want to quite say Star Trek DNA, but it's something that's been at the periphery, I believe, uh, before. Add to it, I mean, to have to have that recognizable um, design and species from the animated series come back to this animated series, that could be a really fun, um, a fun reveal. I think it would be a fun, not that I think Mike McCann, Mike McMahon and company are, trying to make a show to add value to the back catalog. Pete, that's why they're making CSI Vegas. They've said that. It's merely to add value to the CSI back catalog. So it goes on, but I don't think that's that's what they're doing here. However, it would be cool to be like, and would you like to see more of the newly revealed Kazinti threat? Well, also on Paramount Plus is the Star Trek the animated series, you know, so on and so forth. Um, you could be onto something, Pete. I guess now the question is, you're suggesting that the uh, Kazinti Ensign is in on it. Um, I'll take the opposite point of view. Pete, it's the Kazinti uh, government that is corrupt, not all the Kazinti people. Wow. Wow. Um, bringing in Armis here as it could only work on lower decks. Um, <laughs> yeah, particularly like if that's going to, if that's going to check a box, uh, which of course it literally does, but if that's going to check a box for, uh, you know, legacy character, I mean, okay. I think that when we, <laughs> when we talk legacy character, it's, you know, it's, oh my goodness, an update about, uh, you know, about, uh, Dr. Crusher. It's not necessarily, yep. Armis is still on the planet that probably now has a beacon that says nobody come here. There's like a 
oil sludge guy that'll get you if you do. So just stay away. And everybody says, okay, I'll stay away. Um, okay, we get to check in with Armis. It's Pete, I remember, okay, being seven years old, maybe eight, not quite sure when uh, Tasha's death aired in relation to my birthday. But, you know, wiping away those tears at the funeral and so forth. Um, that said, has the episode aged great? Not really. Is it worth yeah. a big, big old joke? Sure. Yeah, he is a skin of evil. <laughs> um, the stones, the jewels there almost felt like an Infinity Stones paperweight joke a la Loki. <laughs> um, it, it certainly could be. I mean, at a certain point, probably on the one hand, it's like animating brightly colored things that need to fill a space um you're gonna run into crystals or orbs or spheres or something like that before too long but um is it perhaps hinting pete that uh when not if but when uh the uh the the gal whose name escapes me at the moment who owns viacom cbs uh, when she's successful in selling the whole thing to a larger company is it possible that it's disney is it possible that star trek and marvel it's as simple as, you know, a very special Disney Plus, Lego, Star Trek, Star Wars, Marvel, Nat Geo special. Like, it's possible. <laughs> On ESPN. <laughs> On ESPN, you know, exactly. Um, <laughs> 30 for 30. Uh, on Bojitsu, <laughs> you know, and so forth. Um, <laughs> Parisi Squares uh, Championship. There you go. Um, so... Pete, it's a big it's there's lots of big potential in the future particularly if once again there's corporate <laughs> corporate troubles that may or may not affect this star trek franchise which is arguably more healthy now than ever um i'll just mention because there's no other place to put this factoid paramount pictures swears that there's multiple star trek movies in development you know okay jan i'm sure there is particularly as they just uh um ambushed there the head of paramount pictures in the last week and showed him the exit and da, 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 da. sure jan um but yeah that that aside the the state of star trek is super strong so of course the empire that supports it is going to fall apart um and then uh winger bingston here getting a shout out um uh, had him referenced uh and and seen in the first season wonder if we might get him back i i mean bring it on it's if nothing else it's a reminder that um you know this is not a large ship this is not a a, a massive crew um the add to it you know there's only so many lower deckers so of course the ensigns are going to know about uh the lieutenant's one man show for this that the other it's something that doubtless people are aware of and um, even if he doesn't physically show up on screen, it's enough of a reminder to just say, hey, remember that guy? It's, it's adding to the sense of community for the ship. With that, let's go to Hailing Frequencies. Hailing Frequencies open, sir. We start, as we always do, with the Twitter poll. The Packleds are backled. What did you think of this week's Star Trek Lower Decks? Uh, and Pete, I stuck with it. Okay, I didn't even give any hint of a 4-3-2-1 this week. So the choices were this. <laughs> they, they all were they all were spy themed james bond themed so the first one my little octo pack lid got 23.1 percent uh next one rumdar is dummy galore 
uh, with a cat emoji, got uh, 7.7%. Be kind of disappointed more people didn't vote for that. I thought that was my funniest one, although maybe it took a little, maybe it took a couple of James Bond steps to for people to get the punchline there. Um, next one, Goldhead Loves Gold, uh, 23.1%. Uh, percent. And then heart emoji, the spy, I loved the, which I th- I was pretty proud of that one too. Got 46.2%. <laughs> uh, some Twitter responses. First one is from JT Atkins, who Pete recently is like, has become the new fastest gun in the West here. We have a little bit of a Western showdown here, but uh, JTA's me on Twitter says, <laughs> hashtag Star Trek Lower Decks is smart. Star Trek Lower Decks is strong. Janeway is clever. <laughs> Uh, we heard from uh, Jackie Wolf. That's at Jackie Wolf on Twitter. Uh, overall, great episode, although the pack led A plot was a lot stronger than the Red Shirts B plot, in my opinion. Glad to see more of Kayshawn, and I hope that Starfleet has developed a good treatment for stretch marks because poor Rutherford is going to need it. Uh, Pete, I bet that Dr. Tahana has a light that she can wave back and forth to make those stretch marks disappear. Oh, there's a hypo for that. You know there is. Uh, we also heard from Spider-Ham Lincoln. That's at TessLC139. Not a bad episode, but that's two in a row I didn't much care for. Best part was the end, prank calling Armus. I am a skin of evil. Um, <laughs> and then la- it, 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 it was. It was a good, it was, it was the cherry on top. Last is uh, AMC. That's Ann Coltonham on Twitter. Really enjoyed this Star Trek Lower Decks episode. Loved seeing the captain and Ransom working together. Freeman needing to find a pack lead with a bigger helmet was brilliant. Great to see Kayshawn back with dialogue after the first episode. Can't wait to hear the podcast. And now Pete and hearing her words on the podcast. Well, Pete, with four episodes left to the season, only one left to this month. Actually, one podcast of this left to the month. The last one is September 30th. But of course, this whole voyage made possible by those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. They are the crystals we keep amassed on our desks. Absolutely. Get yourself over to Patreon slash Fantastic Geek. Just recorded a special episode about the first three episodes of Why the Last Man on uh, FX on Hulu that will only ever live on Patreon. You determine the price you put on our content. Takes just a dollar a month to get you through that door. All sorts of things for you to check out. And as always, so proud to be listener supported, particularly as uh, doubtless the length of podcasts will be ramping up as we uh, get back into the one hour show territory. Looking ahead to Discovery in November, Hawkeye uh, late later in November, and so forth. Uh, for now, though, Pete, let's keep the Star Trek conversation going. Uh, how can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,050. Followers can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter, is looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the P and the H. Like it today. So for those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, the next Pop Culture Podcast episode will not be What If, episode 107. Instead, with the Emmys tonight, the primetime Emmys tonight, 
Uh, we will be doing an update as to whatever the wins are for WandaVision and The Mandalorian. I dare say Pete, Star Trek has won all the Emmys. In fact, not even I dare say. Fact, Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Lower Decks have either won or lost already all the Emmys for which they are nominated. Um, but of course, beyond that, next weekend, podcasting What If and Lower Decks on the Pop Culture Podcast feed. If you're here just for Star Trek, looking ahead to, if you can believe it, Lower Decks 207 this time next week. For now, though, Pete, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. I need to learn to blow some big brass. She never fails to take my breath away. I wish I could kiss her and squeeze her. Excuse me?